Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I'm bringing you today's word for November 6th, 2023. I'm teaching a series on the parables of Jesus. And right now, I, I was in the parable of the prodigal son. And I could have I could have gone on a lot. I probably could have at least gone on two, two, three more weeks on that. But as I was, we were in the Dominican Republic and I was praying about it. And uh, I was like, Lord, you know, we're getting towards the end of the year. What do you want me to do? Right? Because I, I don't believe that the Lord wants me to keep going with these parables into next year. So I was like, well, you know, I only got, you know, X amount of days left. So do you want me to go on to the next parable or not? And I felt the Lord say, okay, go on to the next parable. And this is a parable that we're going to deal with is the good Samaritan, the good Samaritan. So let me just say this though about the Dominican Republic. Isabella and I just got back. If you follow us on social media, you saw the pictures. Thank you to our partners and our supporters. I got to preach at our church last Sunday. We got to hang out with our kids. Uh, we, we thank God for the children that we have there in the school. Where, where we, Not only do we give them something hot in the morning or like a light breakfast, but we also give them a solid meal every day. And all of that happens. We give them a Christ-based education because of your donation. So to all of our partners and supporters, thank you so much. Whatever is happening through our ministry, Rick and Isabella Pena Ministries, is attributed to your account in heaven. You are a partaker of the grace that is on our ministry. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As we get into the Good Samaritan, this, that actually lines up perfectly with the parable that we're going to deal with right now, the Good Samaritan. So this is Pearls from the Parables, part 93, the Good Samaritan. This is just an introduction today. Of course, we're going to learn some things. You ready? Get ready to receive the word. All right, so this is a brand new parable, but before we get into uh, the parable, uh, I do want to uh, look at a scripture that we've been looking at all year, Psalms 126 and verse 4. I do believe that this is a season of refreshing and restoring for us, and so we want to keep this scripture before our eyes. The Bible says, now, Lord, do it again. Say, Lord, do it again. Do it again for me. Do it again for me. Restore us to the former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until dry hearts are drenched again. So put in the chat, no dry areas for me. All right, so let's get into it. The Good Samaritan, brand new parable for this morning, Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. I have to read all the way down to verse 37. This is what Jesus said, or the Bible says about Jesus, and then he's going to tell the story. An expert in the law, a lawyer, stood up to test Jesus. Man, how dumb are you? How dumb do you have to be to test Jesus? But anyway, he gets up to test Jesus. He thinks he's all that. Teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? Jesus said to him, well, you know what is written in the law. What do you get out of it? The man said, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Also, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, your answer is right. Do this and you will have eternal life. Jesus had already explained that all the law and all the prophets can be wrapped up into these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. That's in Deuteronomy. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, if you do those two things, it, it encapsulates all the law, the teachings of all the law and all the prophets. But the man wanted to show that the way that he was living uh, was right. So basically the man wanted to say, you know, I'm right. I'm righteous. So he says to Jesus, 
but who is my neighbor? Now, at the time, remember, Jesus is dealing with Jews primarily. His earthly ministry was to Jews, and Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. That was well documented. And so he says, who is my neighbor? You, you, you know, I'm supposed to love God and love my neighbor, but I don't know. That's not everybody, right? I mean, like, who is my neighbor? You want to say, I want to love. I, it's easy to love people that look like you. It's easy to love people that, that, that hang out with you. It's easy to love. If you just are going to love the people that love the things that you like or that look like you or that act like you or the, within your sphere of influence, then yeah, I mean, obviously that would be pretty easy. But would you love people that don't look like you or would you love people that treat you the wrong way? So Jesus said, okay, to answer this question, Jesus said, let me tell you a story. So there was a man going down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now we know back then, not we don't know, we don't know, but they knew that road was a dangerous road. Some robbers surrounded him and tore off all his clothes and they beat him. And then they left him there lying on the ground. He was almost dead. And it happened that a Jewish priest was going down that road. So, oh, okay, it's a setup. A Jewish priest, surely this man is going to do something. And when he saw the man, he didn't even stop to help him. He walked away. He, he, was like, he, he acted like he didn't even see him. Next, a Levite came. Okay, surely, surely, come on, a Levite. He saw the hurt man, but he went around him. He didn't stop to help him either. He just walked away. Oh, but then a Samaritan. Oh, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritan. A Samaritan man came and traveled down the road and he came to the place where the hurt man was lying and he saw the man and he had compassion on him, compassion for him. So the Samaritan went to him and poured olive oil and wine on his wounds. He cleaned up his wounds. He covered the man's wounds with cloth and then the Samaritan had a donkey, so he put the man on the donkey and took him to the closest end, to a hotel. And there he cared for the man. The next day, the Samaritan took out two silver coins and gave it to the man that was in charge of the hotel. And he said, hey, I need you to take care of that man that's in room 12. <laughs> that's Rick Pena version. There's a guy in room 12. Yeah, I'm I took care of him last night. I got to go, but I need you to take care of that man. Uh, if you spend more money than this, on that man, I'll come back and I'll take care of the bill. So here's some money. I'm giving you some money up front. Take care of the man in room 12. And then if you if you need more than this to take care of him, then when I come back, I got you. I'm going to take care of it. I just want you to take care of the man. So then Jesus said, which one of these three men do you really think was a neighbor, right? To the man that was hurt by the robbers. Which one of those three was a neighbor to him? The teacher of the law answered, says, well, obviously the one that helped him. He said, well, yeah, now you go out and you do the same. So what does this mean for you today? So let me set the stage. I'm just introducing you to the parable. And there's some things that you may or may not understand about the times of Jesus and that kind of thing. So as a Bible teacher, I have to take my time to kind of teach you some things, lay the groundwork, and then we can really glean some golden nuggets in the days to come from this parable. Today, I'm just going to lay the foundation. You ready? All right. So let me set the stage first. In today's message, I want to introduce you to the this whole parable, the story of the Good Samaritan. And it's a, it's a challenge Jesus is basically placing on religious activity and cultural norms, right? Because it was obvious that the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. And so Jesus was kind of throwing this in their face. So this parable comes in response to the question, who is my neighbor? 
And, and basically, Jesus is trying to say, God wants you to have a heart for all people. When he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, love thy neighbor as thyself, thy neighbor should be all people. They don't have to look like you or sound like you or smell like you. Your neighbor should be all people. And don't tell me, John said, don't tell me that you love a God that you cannot see when you can't stand the people that you see every day, right? That's that's a fake love. No. So your love for God is exhibited, Jesus said in John 13 and 35, you prove that actually you have a love for God. You prove that you're my disciples when you have love one for another. You prove your vertical love by your horizontal love. So the story is showing that you have to show love to other people if you claim that you have the love of God. In the story, there's this man walking down this road and everybody there knows that this is a dangerous road. And, you know, he was caught, he was beat up. And then the only one to show him compassion and mercy was a Samaritan. So let me break it down. Number one, Jesus used a priest and a Levite as examples of people who were supposed to do the right thing, but did not, right? So let me give you a little bit of background on the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. That's going to be my point number one. I only have two points for you today because I'm laying the foundation. But you got to understand the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, and then I'll give you the second point. All right, number one, let's talk about the priest. So in ancient Israel, the priests were descendants of Aaron. So they were part of the tribe of, of Levi, but specifically, they were descendants of Aaron, the brother of Moses. So they were part of, they were Levites too, right? So you, you have here uh, uh, the priest, the Levite, but they were also Levites, but these were specific Levites, they were descendants of Aaron, the brother of Moses. They had specific religious duties, including performing sacrifices, teaching the law, and conducting the ceremonies inside of the temple. So you had in the temple, there was the outer court, there was the inner court, uh, uh, and then there was the the inner inner or the most holy place where the, where the Ark of the Covenant was. And only priests could go past the inner court. And then only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. So these were specific people that were considered to be the most religious or the most righteous of the highest order, maintaining purity in religious practices. They were the people that had to maintain all of this purity. They had to wash their hands a certain way. They couldn't come in contact with things that were unclean and all of this. So Jesus included a priest in the parable obviously as an example that was of someone who's supposed to be righteous, who's supposed to be close to God, but didn't express love towards this man. Now, those listening to Jesus may have tried to, in their minds, defend the priest. Oh, well, Jesus, you know, a priest couldn't touch that man because then he would have been ceremonially unclean. Like, you know, you, you can't just, like, the, the, the man was probably bleeding and the priest, a priest, we don't expect the priest to touch blood, the blood of a human. And, you know, maybe he was on his way to perform his temple duties and maybe, yeah, but this is the problem with that. People get so caught up doing the work of the church that they fail to be the church. People get so caught up be doing the work of the church that they fail to be the church. I remember years ago, I was going to church and we saw somebody uh, that need, you know, that was in need. And, and I don't know, the Lord just kind of prompted it on, on my heart, not to give him money, but to stop and get him something to eat. Um, and then I thought this, this is what I thought while I was driving to church, the Lord prompted me to stop and get this man something to eat. Cause he was like asking for, for money, but it was like right outside of like a McDonald's or something. And, um, I was like, Oh, my family was with me in the, in the car. And I was like, I'm gonna stop and get this guy something to eat. I got this thought when I, when the Holy Spirit told me to stop, get him something to eat. 
I got this thought. If you stop and get him something to eat, you're going to be late for church. And then I had to think about it for a minute. I was like, man, I don't want to be late for church. Should I? Should I? Should I not? Maybe I shouldn't because I don't want to be late for church. And then the Holy Ghost really got on me. And this is where, where basically he was saying, really? Really? You're so busy doing work for the church that you're going to fail to be the church? You are the church. So am I going to not get this guy something to eat when the Lord told me to give him something to eat because I don't want to get there and miss one or two songs? I mean, that's how dangerous religion is. That's how easily you can get caught up in religious activity and religious duties. No, I don't care what you try to say. This guy was wrong. He was a priest. He saw the guy. He walked the other way. He was wrong. Don't try to justify it with religious activity. He didn't want to be impure. He didn't want to be unclean. Listen, no, he was wrong. That's the whole point, that we can't be religious. Put in the chat, God hates religion. God hates religion. God hates people that just have all of this religious activity and then they don't actually do what they're supposed to be doing. That, like They don't actually live what they profess. Then there's a Levite. The Levite, these were people from the tribe of Levi. Now, they, they were not descendants of Aaron, but they were still the Levitical priesthood. So now they're a Levite, right? They're, they're, they're a Levite. They're not descendants of Aaron, but they're still a Levite. And they served as subordinates to the priest. And they, they, their positions were a little bit less lower in the temple. They took care of the temple maintenance. They had also responsibilities. They did teach the law in the synagogue and they had their religious duties. They didn't have the same level of authority as the priests, but of the 12 tribes, there was only one tribe of Levites. So these were supposed to be the people that hear from God. These were supposed to be the people that are close to God. But like the priest in the story, the Levite walked the other way too. He actually, the Bible says he walked around them. So he's like, oh man, this guy's in my way. He had literally walked all the way around them. He didn't want to deal with the inconvenience. See, the parable uses two figures that are people that are supposed to know better and supposed to do better. And they're so preoccupied and being religious that they didn't do the moral duty of helping someone that was in need. They didn't perform the moral duty of doing what they, was, what they claimed to actually live. And then, then Jesus uses a Samaritan. A Samaritan, remember, Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans, right? And there was a couple of times uh, where Jesus dealt with Samaritans and, and people were like, listen, why is this? Jesus even said to this one lady, listen, I'm not supposed to, it's not even right for me to give the children's bread to dogs. And this lady didn't even get upset. She was like, even look, dogs eat the crumbs that come from the master's table. I just need a breakthrough for my daughter. Let Jesus was so focused on his ministry to Jews. He didn't really minister to Samaritans. He did, he did a couple of times. The Holy Spirit led him with that lady. And another lady was the, the woman at the well. But, but the point is his ministry was not to Samaritans. There was a clear rift between the Jews and the Samaritans. Let me give you a little bit of background. Samaritans and Jews they did share a, a, a history of mutual disdain. It's not like just the Jews hated the Samaritans. It's the Samaritans hated the Jews too, right? Because of, there, was this, there was just this tension between the two groups. And the Samaritans were descendants of the northern Israelite tribes. So there's 10 northern tribes in Israel. There were two southern tribes. The two southern tribes are called Judah. The, the, when, when they divided 10 to 2, the top 10 were called Israel and the bottom two were called Judah. But when you bring them all together, they were all Israel, right? But the, the 10 Northern tribes 
the Samaritans were actually descendants from them. But the problem was that when Israel was under the captivity of the Assyrians, then some of the, the Israelites from the northern tribes, they intermarried. They intermingled with the Assyrians. And because they did that, the rest, that divided them, right? It's like, oh, you're going to marry one of those people? You're going to marry one of those people? So you're no longer one of us. And that's what caused the rift between them. And so after Israel came up under the captivity of the Assyrians, then they basically segregated all of those people that had Assyrian wives or Assyrian husbands. And they said, forget it. You guys are no longer part of us. And it caused a rift. Now, they were still descendants of Israel, but now they were uh, there was a rift because they were no longer clean, right? It was no longer Jews on Jews. It was no longer clean blood. This is stupid, y'all. But anyway, you know, that's how it is. This is, People are messy, right? If, you, if you're going to do ministry, you got to know this stuff happens. People don't like people. People don't like people judge people. Or you married somebody. Or you married outside of your race. Or you married outside of your religion. You ain't no longer one of us. And so anyway, it's stuff like that. And so it caused, there was deep-seated prejudice between the Jews and the Samaritans. So Jesus used a priest. Jesus used a Levite. Ooh, highest order. They didn't do nothing. Then Jesus uses a Samaritan and says, this is the guy that did something. This is the guy that showed mercy. This is the guy that showed compassion. This is the guy that showed love. So remember, uh, this is coming in response to the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus was trying to say, this guy asking the question is saying, who's my neighbor? Because he's only dealing with Jews. He's only nice to Jews. And it's easy to hang out with people that look like you or sound like you. It's so easy to go to people that are part of your group right? Or uh, your association, your fraternity, your connection, your group, your, your, and you hang out with them. And oh, and so yeah, that's fine because you like those people. But what about the people who don't look like you? What about the people who don't sound like you? What about the people who don't have the same background? And what about people that don't even like, let's just be honest, who don't smell good? Who, uh, let's, let's talk about the people who don't like, now they come to church and, and, and people like want to stay away. Why? Why? Why you want to stay away? Why? Because you would rather not wrinkle your clothes. You would rather not get nothing on you. You want to you want to keep your smell good on. You can take a shower later. What if God says, I need you to be a blessing? Go be a blessing. This story challenged the, the listeners of Jesus's day. And it also challenges us today to live out what we believe. Put in the chat, I'm going to live out what I believe. I have to live what I believe. What God says and what I claim to profess, and I go to church Sunday after Sunday, go to Bible study Wednesday night after Wednesday night, but what am I doing throughout the week? Am I living? Does my video match my audio? If your video don't match your audio, people are going to have a problem with it. So let me just say this. The reason why when I was in the army, and now I'm in corporate America, when I was in the army, I ministered to all kinds of people. I preached the gospel everywhere, and I never had a problem with it. People's like, wow, Rick could just, like, Chief was always just you could just minister. And how is it? How do you do that and still be in the army? Nobody says nothing. You know why? And same thing in corporate America. You know why? Because my audio matches my video. I think people will have a problem with it if I claim to be a Christian at work, but every time I was on travel, I was sleeping with somebody. Or if I if I'm claimed to be a Christian at work, but every time I'm on travel, I'm at a strip club. Then if I mention Jesus, people will have a problem with me because now my audio don't match the video. But if my audio matches my video, people don't have a problem with it because people know that this is just who I am. And just like I ask them, I respect people for who they are. People respect me for who I am. But what I'm not doing is being fake. So listen, when you are authentic, then people will respect authenticity. 
Put in the chat, people will respect my authenticity. All right, number two, I told you I only have two things for today and I'm just setting the stage. Religion exposed. God hates religion. This, the disparity between profession and practice. There cannot be a disparity between your profession and your practice. There's a stark contrast in the story between the inaction of the religious people and the action of the people of, of the, the Samaritan, because the Samaritan was not even supposed to be there doing nothing good, right? Because they hated Samaritans. But you got people that are focused on rites and rituals and routines, religious people, religious people that are focused on doing all of this church stuff, but not expressing the love of God. True religion is not found in the rituals that we perform, but in the love that we demonstrate. In James 1 and 27, James, James teaches us that pure and undefiled religion requires us to take care of those in need. The priest and the Levite represent superficial religiosity. And these are people that prioritize an outward appearance and self-preservation. Oh, I don't want to get dirty. I don't want to touch that. I don't want to do all that. I don't want, no, they prioritize that over service to others. Real ministry, put in the chat, real ministry is messy. Look, look, where, if you want to do ministry, I don't know why people think that ministry is glamorous or something. Oh, people think that because I'm a pastor, oh, 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 look at that. Somebody's carrying his Bible when he walks up there. I want to do, people would drive him around. I want to do that. Listen, real ministry is messy. Yeah, forget all that. Forget the stuff that happens in church. Real ministry is messy because we're in the people business. And if you're dealing with people, people are messy, right? And so, so, and I'm not talking about just, they could be physically dirty. You might have to deal with that. But I'm talking about just dirty in their heart. I'm talking about you got to get your hands dirty and you got to get your heart dirty. Real ministry is messy. And when you're trying, the same people you're trying to help, they'll talk about you. As soon as you stop helping them, they'll talk about you. But real ministry is messy and you can't stop doing ministry because of it. You can't get so hard. You just got to be like, oh, well, that's just, it is what it is. People are like that. To God be the glory. I'm going to just keep stepping. You got to continue to be a blessing to people. And real ministry would put you in a position where you feel vulnerable, when you're like, okay, Lord, I'm going to do this. I don't know why you're telling me to do this, but I'm going to do it. And, and it's at the risk of looking foolish. But at the end of the day, if you're doing ministry, you got to know that you're out there and God is going to protect you. This reminds me of this past year. Just a few months ago, we were giving out backpacks in the Dominican Republic. And this year we gave out 700 backpacks. So we had, okay, I'm like, we got 700 backpacks. I tell the team, plan where we're going to give them out. And we took 200 for our kids in our school that left 500. Of those 500, we had four locations. And we're like, let's go. So we go to the first location, beautiful. They have everybody there. All the kids are nice and clean. They took a, a shower. They're all nice. They're dressed up nice. And then there's a list and they call them by name. And we give out the backpacks and we pray over them. Beautiful. Hey, Rick is about, Pastor Rick is about to pray. Everybody be quiet. Shh, everybody's quiet. I get to pray over them, speak life and blessing. Boom. Next location, same thing. Organized, clean, nice. Hey, everybody, he's about to pray. Everybody, shh, boom. We go to the third location is in the hood. We go to the third location. Location three and four was in the hood. We get there. There's like rowdy people. These people are not clean. These people is like they, they're ready to fight. They looking, hey, I better get a backpack. It's like, oh my God. And we look and there's not in, there's not going to be enough backpacks for all these people. And I'm like, oh man, some people are not going to get a backpack. This is not going to be good. But hey, I need to pray. They wouldn't quiet down. They wouldn't shut up. Nothing. I just prayed over them while they're arguing. I prayed. I'm like, oh Lord. And and, and so, and then one, one of the people on our team is like, man, the little kids, because we had two, uh, my son, Ethan, and 
and one of my my niece was there. Uh, they shouldn't be out here. This is dangerous. Like, man, God got us. God, God is like, and God will protect us. So anyway, we do it. We give out the backpacks. We get in the car. We take off. We go to the next location. Same thing. And while I'm thinking about that, the Lord says, those are the people that really need it, though. Those are the people that really need it. And you got to get past the fact that they're not nice. You got to get past the fact that they probably won't say thank you. You got to get past the fact that they're arguing and fighting. We just prayed. You got to get past the fact that they didn't even listen while I'm trying to pray for them. Fine. It is what it is. We're not doing it for them. We're doing it for the Lord. So do what you do and you, you just got to do it. You got to do what God has called you to do. The failure of the religious figures in the parable is a warning against faith and no action. Put in the chat, I, I refuse to have faith without works. Put in the chat, I refuse to have faith without works. The parable challenges us to examine our hearts if we profess to be a Christian. The, to, the, the, neglect, uh, the, the neglection of the, of the two uh, religious people to show mercy, they missed an opportunity to, to actually demonstrate the very essence of the law that they claim to follow. Our credibility as believers is not entitled in a title or your status or clergy collar. No, your credibility is not in any of that. Your credibility is in your service to those in need. As I close, let me ask you this question. Does your video match your audio? You may be able to talk a good game. Maybe you know how to quote scripture from Genesis to Revelation, but do you live it? James said this in James 2 and 18. I'll close with this. Now, some may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have no good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Faith without works is dead. I just told you I'm laying the foundation. I was just getting started with this parable. Brand new parable today. I hope that you got something out of it. There's a lot that we're going to glean from this parable. Let's close out this message with a declaration of faith. I want you to lift up your voice and speak this over your life. Say, Father, this is a season of refreshing and restoring for me. So I boldly declare that I'm moved by your spirit to see beyond labels and beyond boundaries. I love everybody. Help me, Father, to have a heart that loves all people. I acknowledge that my neighbor is anyone in need, and I will show compassion and mercy. I reject religion that is void of action. I affirm that my service to you, Father, is not about rites or routines. It's about genuine expressions of love. I understand that ministry is not about appearances. It's about getting involved with the messy and the beautiful work of loving people. And Father, I'm grateful for the opportunities that you give me to be a blessing. No matter how hard it is, my life will reflect your love on this planet. Living with this mindset, I know greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. This is today's word. Tomorrow, I'm going to have another one. So please apply it and prosper. If you're not getting these messages, please go to todaysword.org. Click on the big red subscribe button, put in your email address. You're going to get all my notes in your email inbox every day for free. Listen, I love you. God loves you more. Leave me some comments in the chat if this message was a blessing to you. I want to know how was it a blessing to you? And then do me a favor, share the message right now on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. Greater is coming for you, but you got to live it though. You can't just have lip service. 
God is checking your heart. You got it? Don't be religious. God hates religion. I love you. God loves you more. Have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless you. If you enjoyed this content and you would like to know more about our ministry or you would like to partner with us in what we're doing in the Caribbean, being a blessing to Haitian children in the Dominican Republic, then please go to ripministries.org. You'll be able to find out more information there. And if you'd like to make a donation, all the donations are tax deductible in the United States. A few months ago, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to set up a coaching and mentorship program. And Isabella and I set that up. And so now we make ourselves available on three different levels for those that want access to us and to learn things about maximizing your potential, increasing your personal productivity and fulfilling your life's purpose. If you're interested in that, go to patreon.com forward slash Rick Pina. And then lastly, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to write several books and journals to help people grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please go to rickpina.co if you don't have our material, and there's also apparel there as well. Listen, thank you for being a blessing to us. We pray that our ministry will continue to be a blessing to you.